Hi there, folks. Welcome to the IGDA Twin Cities podcast, episode number 25. I'm your host, Ryan Foss, and with me tonight, I've got a couple guests, Tori Kamal. Hello, folks. And Zach Went. Hello. So, guys, uh, it's been a little while. What have you guys been up to? Zach, you go ahead. Sure. Well, the big news, uh, my Oculus Rift showed up um, unexpectedly Tuesday. Um, I did the Kickstarter back in August, and even before that, maybe we can get into it a little bit later, but uh, I was lurking on the meant-to-be-seen 3D forums where this uh, random Lucky Palmer guy, that's his name, um, had this idea that he could just accumulate all the parts and we'd all solder them together and it'd maybe be only 400 to $500. <laughs> and then uh, once John Carmack showed up, um, pretty quickly it blew away out of proportion and now it's injected molded plastic from China for $300 assembled and uh, quite a few months later than I thought I was going to get it. But, uh, you know, kudos to him for starting a company in the meantime and actually shipping this stuff. Um, So I heard about it from UPS before I heard about it from from Oculus. (laughs) So it was a big surprise. Back in August last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it blew up. It was right uh, during QuakeCon. Yeah, I remember you talking about it and then... And then I, I had gone to that forum about it, too, back then. Yeah. You had sent me a link. Yeah, it's amazing, actually. It's getting really great press, too. So the biggest question is, is how is it? Well, um, it, it's clearly uh, bleeding-edge technology, but I've never had anything like it in my home or, or at SIGGRAPH or any of the other VR stuff I've tried over the years. Um, it's it's puts, puts you into the game. Just don't move too fast or it looks really bad. Um, and that's different than, you know, sitting here looking at a screen of the game. So it, it's going to be a big deal. Everybody should probably check out the, the next version, the, the commercial version that they're going to do. Um, the big thing that's holding it back is panel latency. Um, panel latency? So just, uh, you know, motion blur on the LCD, essentially. Oh, okay. Oh, um, right. The screen itself has got a little yep. bit of burn in, that real subtle... Not, not burn in, but just kind of, uh, it takes, you know, a few milliseconds for colors to change on LCDs. Right. But um turns out humans have this uh, this wonderful thing to keep them from getting eaten by tigers um, called the uh, vestibulo-ocular reflex. And so you look over to the right with your eyeballs and you see a tiger in the shrubs. And so you quick snap your head over there. Um, all those neat gyros in your head that they told you were only for balance actually... Uh, counter-rotate your eyes the entire time so your center of your uh, retina is fixed on the tiger as you're turning your head to look at it. So yes. the, the upshot is it's totally in focus the entire time while your head is spinning at a huge angular rate to face the tiger and see the, you know, the death perception and decide really? what to do. Really? That works? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, that's got to be amazing then. Well, it doesn't work on an LCD. It only works in real life. Oh, so, um, I thought you were saying it worked in the Oculus. I wish. Okay. Um, so that's the first thing that hops out at you. Um, the interesting thing is um, I've actually got a couple of dead pixels, um, oh. almost dead center on the left eye. Oh. And, and that's bad. Yeah, that's sad. But the interesting thing is if you just stare at them and treat them like a crosshair, like in a normal game where you just stare at the crosshair and then, you know, move things in front of it so you can shoot them um, and then move your head around, the world doesn't seem to blur as much because your eye isn't doing oh. its oh. thing. Uh, it doesn't expect to be in focus, so it doesn't. You don't notice that it's not in focus. It doesn't seem as bad. It's it's a really odd thing, but 
when you're naturally using this headset, you're focusing on the fireplace and then turning your head to face it or looking up at the thing on the wall and then turning your head to face it. So it's not a natural thing to, to try to suppress that. But if you move slowly, um, it, it's very tolerable. It's very awesome. The head tracking is the best I've ever used in my entire life. Um, they did custom hardware that's uh, updates at a gigahertz. I'm, I'm then, really interested in seeing it because I've tried it out. You know, sixty-five thousand dollar headsets. Yep, yep. And I didn't think they were all that great. They were such limited field of view. Yep, the field of view is big. Uh, the resolution is low, but that's the kind of thing your your mind filters out very quickly. Yeah. Um, so, so what not... do you have on it to play? Well, I know it came with like Doom Three, right? No, so that that was some weird business deal oh. that they haven't officially talked about, and it got pulled. I'm sure. Um, I mean, my best bet is that. Uh, that Bethesda is going to do a, a major release because um, they are not getting their money out of id. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sad, to, sad to say, <laughs> they are not making money off of that deal. Um, maybe in the technology, I don't know, but not in games. And um, so they gave a credit, a uh, $20 credit, which is the going price on Steam for that game. Um, so, yeah, I don't have much yet. Um, I got it Tuesday night. I've been Did working. It- really late so i got home and all of a sudden it's sitting there tuesday and we did it for a couple hours did, did it come just, with samples and stuff or something yep okay. it comes with a, a pretty nice um oh it's just a scene of a house in tuscany you know kind of dream vacation home uh that's in unity and um you just wander around nice and slow so you're not getting seasick and motion sick and all that and then uh people are just constantly posting random half done you know prototypes to the unity developer portal the one that was the best um, was the uh, hot air balloon ride, and um, and again that's the same thing where it's it's kind of moving at a nice slow rate. The the stuff that's going to be successful at first are kind of these look around touristy games, kind of like you know VR Mist or something like that. Yeah, where you don't have to move fast to do well. Um, so you get in the hot air balloon, and the first thing you want to do is walk to the side and look down over the edge. But then you hit the number two show stopper. Uh, not really showstopper, but the number two thing you wish was there, which is um, it does great angular head tracking. It doesn't do any positional tracking. So meaning you rotate your head, everything's great, but you push your head forward to look over the railing. It doesn't notice and it doesn't track and you just look straight down at your feet. And then, of course, your feet aren't there. It's just a gyroscope, right, for tracking? Yeah. Yep. But uh, position tracking is easy. They can do it with a webcam. I'm sure they will. Right. You just need additional stuff to track position. You yeah, can do, webcam yeah. and a couple of white stickers on the front of the Oculus Rift, you're good to go. Good. Um, so that'll be a big deal when that's in there. And then um, then the last thing is just uh, um, getting used to it, you know, and not getting motion sick. Uh, the Team Fortress 2 guys, that's the thing to play. I downloaded it. I haven't tried it yet. But just before GDC, uh, Valve released a Team Fortress 2 patch for Oculus um, and then gave a great presentation um, but they said, you know, the scout, if you were to, you know, real, real world, uh, coordinate system, he runs at 40 miles an hour and most people <laughs> run backwards and shoot and jump. So you put that in a VR headset and you're just puking everywhere. <laughs> I've seen, uh-huh. I've seen videos of people playing it. Yeah. Oh, I think it was somebody on a motion, like an Omni pad. It's like a treadmill that lets you run in any direction. Cool. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. And um, and then then they talked about all the difficulty of doing a HUD 
um, and then just control schemes. Um, it actually ships with six different ones. And they said, we picked the one that the most people liked, but in every group there's people that like this one and this one and this one, so try them all. You, okay. you know, you'll like one more than the other. And the one that it defaults to is um, your mouse aims your gun and your head is totally independent. So that means you can kind of get a little confusion between where you're looking and where you're walking or aiming. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's like strapping a gun to your face. So those are kind of the other choices. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that probably ends up being the most natural, though. The um, the one that we, your yeah. gun and face is separate. It is, but um, then you have problems, too, with, uh, like, drift and things. Although it does have um, uh, a compass, a magnet. I can't even say it, a magnetometer magnetometer, I suppose, um, to, to correct for drift. And they shipped a, the most recent SDK update tries to do that. Um, so the one that comes on their, their demo, Oculus's demo, um, you're moving slow, so you kind of don't pick up unless you do like experiments to see what's going on. You move whichever way you're looking. So kind of like a traditional mouse-based mm-hmm. FPS. Um, and if it's slow enough, you don't think that's weird. And the, the advantage of that is drift doesn't matter. So, um, if just, you know, the, the gyros and the head tracking lose track of where, you know, straightforward is, it doesn't matter because you're always relatively turning and, and moving forward relative to where, wherever you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it too long, it's like you're a boat and your head's the road. <laughs> 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 you know, I can't help but think that uh, this would actually be coupled pretty well with a Wiimote because yep. I think that w- that would remove the, sort of the skew we have with our mouse as our with the mouse as our looker. Yep. With a Wiimote, I think that would feel more like your hand and feel a little more natural. Exactly. You can't see your screens. You can't see your keyboard. It's it's a really pain in the butt to try to find the keys to move around. Um, so you might as well have just handheld controls. And people seem to be settling on the. Um, Oh, shoot, the, the Razer Hydra, which is a pair of Wiimote nunchuck-looking things. Right. Oh, okay. But, yeah, um, yeah handheld's like, like the way the, to go. The Wiimote would be awful in that pointed at the two little IR dots. Yeah, that wouldn't work. Crappy thing. But the but having, like, the Zemote plugged into it with the yep. thing would be pretty decent. And then, or if you're already going to do optical tracking for the head, you might as well, you know, do, like, a, a PlayStation Move optical track the hands as well. Yeah, I would think even just like the Wii's just, you've got your hand and you can get at least orientation of the stick out of it. The Wiimote, I don't know. It definitely sounds like cool. It's neat. It, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's for tinkerers for sure. And uh, the second one's the one that people should totally check out. Um, they'll get a faster panel, they'll get a higher res. The resolutions... Um, it seems like it's not that low, but in this application, it's very, very low. So it's 1280 by 800, and then split you split in half, half for each eye, and then mm-hmm. um, kind of this weird lens that gives you the wide-angle field of view. Also mm-hmm. kind of concentrates pixels in the center and then distorts and stretches them towards the edges, um, which is a good way to go. Because um, Well, that's the way your eye works, as long as you're looking forward. Straight ahead, yeah, but yep. you aren't. You can't do that. That's why I was wondering when you were talking about the tiger yep. thing, because you can't do that with this headset then. You can. Um, it, it's There's a decent amount that is in focus at all times. 
a lot. And, and it's, it's plenty it's for, for doing that kind of thing. You get used to it pretty quick. Um, but text will never work because now you're at, uh, let's have a 1280, 640 by 800, but you can't use the outer edge of the pixels. You know, so you're down to something like a 500 by six, 700, and then trying to put text or HUD and still have room for the world, you know, and something that lower res. Mm-hmm. It's like going oh. back to CGA, you know, like the old PC days. <clears throat> um, and and oh. so then it becomes very important to uh, use a lot of subsampling and filtering and all your 3D stuff um, in their demo. The little particles float around with nice anti-aliased wispy bits. And then the trees sit there all blocky and pixely uh, with their big chunky green square leaves on them. Because <laughs> they didn't, they didn't anti-alias them. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the different pipeline. Yep. Interesting. So, so, yeah, so, and, and there, there's no room for HUD, and it shouldn't be there anyway. The Team Fortress 2 guys said that was so hard. There isn't a good depth for it. Um, we just picked the one that made people the least upset. <laughs> um, you just, you don't want one. You don't want a HUD. You got to have some other way to pop something up or look down at your map or, you know, something not intrusive because the whole point is that you move your head around and it's a natural yeah. environment. Oh, well, that's, I really want to try it. Yeah. I really want to see this for thing sure. for myself. Cause it's cause like I, it was a little steep, but after the Kickstarter closed and everything, it's kind of that hindsight thing of like, dang. Yeah. You still but wouldn't have one. <laughs> didn't spend $300 on it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You can get the that's next awesome. One. That'll be awesome. Right to you. Cause didn't the yep. Kickstarter at first, like, literally was you would get the kit? Yeah. Um, before it went Together big, um, the plan was to assemble it yourself, and some of the initial ones were still the assemble yourself. Um, after it got big, and the reason it was so delayed, uh, they got too many orders, and they had to switch to actually actually making molds for plastic injection molding, which is a whole big thing that I learned about that I didn't know. Um, and then you also learn about things like Chinese New Year, the country, oh, yep. entire country it takes is, two weeks off. It is done. <laughs> That's fun. You are not. You are not going to talk to anybody. You are not going to get any products. It yep. is done. Yep. So yeah, awesome. it, it's terrific. And then also, you see, he brought over a lot of the people from the meant to be seen, three D forums, and their moderators, and some of them work for the company, and it's cool. That is cool. Yeah. So, do you think this is going to be more than a passing? passing fad do you think this is this is here to stay like like you know maybe not like mainstream for quite a while but like this is going to make a mark yeah i think so i think it's uh it can be very very cheap it's 300 dollars in this uh startup that's mode not, but if it's really not bad actually. sony or microsoft wanted to sell a couple million i bet you they could yeah. do it for 100 or 200 yeah um and people will buy that because they they'll buy anything for 100 and 200 right especially at christmas time mm-hmm um, and then they'll be in a bunch of houses and people put them on their shelves like the Wii after six months. And, <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's definitely a great proof of concept. Yeah, it, yeah it'll it get it rolling. Um, it's it's tricky because, again, it's strapping a big, ugly thing to your head. And that just has to keep advancing and getting lighter and faster. And faster Wasn't that like watching 3D television in your house? It gives you so much more. Um, no, I just meant from the, you have to put something stupid on your head. Yeah, yeah, it's even more stupid, but it gives you more for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the 3D and even the 3D movies, I mean, 
it doesn't immerse you or it doesn't immerse me. It just feels like a sharper picture, kind of a little more detail, a little more contrast. You know, it's not a lot. And this is like you're in the world and it's pixely, but you're actually in there. So it's to get Minecraft going with it. Yeah, for that sure. Make yeah. Minecraft so much better. Yep, and that game doesn't have that much of a HUD, so it's a good candidate. So, um, sort of in that like immersive thing, have you seen these, the the Microsoft Intelli Room? In, yeah. Did you see the the recent stuff that they put out? Um, they put out like this three minute tech demo of the talking about how only explosions or um, yeah, it'll track the motion of the of things like it's a, it's like a, Borderland. Cool. What is this? What is this? I haven't heard of this. So it's um, <clears throat> it's like they put a projector on your say you're watching television, you put a projector on your coffee table, mm-hmm. and then the projector with a connect, it'll scan your room and then figure out the color and depth that your room is like around your television. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> and then what it'll do is it'll project onto your wall stuff that is the rest of the environment. So. Uh, it effectively your TV is your main portal, right? Mm-hmm. But then, then your room gets projected from this projector other stuff, so they can uh, reproject your own room onto your room. Does that make sense? So they can Ye- like take a picture of your room sure. and project it onto your room, and then they can distort that projection, and it looks gotcha. like your room is like. So if you, you know, like an explosion or something happens, sure, it like sure. makes your room wobble. and Oh, okay. So okay. it like is the surrounding thing. So you could like, one of the things I thought was interesting is they'd show explosions or bullets and you'd see them streaking across your room, right? But the, your main view is the big deal. Mm-hmm. And the other one was like, uh, you're trying to pick up an item and that item becomes a blue dot on your wall if it's not on the screen. So if you're not looking oh, okay. at it. So as the guy ran up to it, it ended up, you know, kind of at his feet in a way. Gotcha. It was sort of neat. I mean, it's very cool. It it impressed me more so than I had seen before or imagined before. But yeah, it um, it is really cool, but it'll never go anywhere at all. It's just one of those things that it's really neat. Because right? well, if you have a projector, where you point it at the TV, so the middle of the picture is blocked, or do you point it at a projector screen? <laughs> it it. It's. I agree that I don't think it'll go to the mass market. Yeah. I do think it's a really neat thing. Oh, it's super neat. Yeah. It's very, very neat what it does. And um, so one demo they did with, with like, the guy was playing Borderlands, or the gal, I'm not sure who was playing, but was playing Borderlands, and they actually look at the TV to detect motion, and then in the room, your wall that's projected, they're just projecting, like, white dots, like, almost like snow in a way, but it's just white dots. And, you know, you're focused on your TV screen, but those dots are, you know, at various depths and things. And it's recognizing the motion of the screen. It's actually looking at the screen. And so when you're moving, those dots are moving as if they're like motes of dust in a way. So it's mm. actually giving you more sense of motion because, gotcha. or at least that's what they say. And I believe them because that's the sort of thing that would happen with your peripheral vision, you know, yep. yeah. is that you would be catching these bits of motion and it would enhance that and probably make people even more sick if they get sick with <laughs> stuff. Well, it, if they could find a way to deaden the where your actual TV is so it wouldn't yep. get like they do overprojected. That. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. 
But still, okay. I mean, the fundamental problem is you're aiming a projector at your TV, right? Why wouldn't you just be playing on a projector or, you know? Yeah, it's it seems really weird. I hadn't actually thought of it because I'm one of those people that thinks about like, oh, this is just a really cool way to enhance. It is really cool, yeah. So I, I hadn't think... thought of like what a waste it is to have this projector and yeah. then play on my TV when I and to even get a projector to project that wide, it is literally 20 feet back from that TV, maybe more. Yeah, you, there's some pretty nifty um, lenses. Have you ever sure. seen these these smart boards? But now we're buying a projector and a lens and pointing it at our TV. Yes, no, I agree. <laughs> but have you seen these smart boards where they got yeah. the projector? Yeah. But I mean, they're not mounted away. They're like mounted, yeah, a foot above and off, and they just got these yeah. They crazy... just stick out of the wall by like two feet. They have those at, at my kids' school. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. I'm like, that is insane, and it does the whole board, and it doesn't look all keystoney weird. I'm like that is impressive. Yeah, they're about five grand for yeah. the projector and the lens. Yep. But so um, that that idea though of of projecting onto not uniform, you know, screens, you know, yeah. objects and boxes and dressers yeah. and chairs. Yeah, yep. books. Yeah, exactly. Um, shoot, what's the generic name for that? I think they call it image mapping. It's big with the demo scene and the VJs and the wacky kids. Um, like the <laughs> I.O. festival that I, that I go to. Um, it's a big deal there. Um, but yeah, it is it's just so impractical, but cool. It is so cool. There's uh, it's sort of, it's sort of impractical though. Like having, you know, a flight simulator with multiple monitors and yeah, or it's, easier a, than, or, it's much easier than that. Or a racing sim with, you know, multiple monitors. Yeah. You know, and those things have actually been, or had attempted to be mass market, you know? Yeah, and gamers are very hardcore. I mean, you got a point that if uh, if they put the feature in, people will try it. Yeah, and if it if it can at all enhance like knowing where your buddies are in I don't Battlefield or 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 whatever the other shooty shoot game is, um, who knows? I don't know. Well, I I know for sure that if the speed can get up there and the resolution that I. I'm jumping back to the Oculus Rift. Mm-hmm. That that for sure, programmers are going to latch onto it so that they can look without moving their their sights. Mm-hmm. For for sure, because that's such a huge uh, advantage you'd have over somebody. And so, you know, when you're trying to do that stupid like move away from somebody, mm-hmm. like you're doing the backward circle, trying to dodge. Yeah, you could totally you're... impractical in real life fighting. Yeah, yeah. What is yeah. that? That maneuver is just to let. Yeah, you just. Run away sideways and do a loop around them as you shoot at them. Yeah, That's yeah. Exactly how can, war is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just see these two guys, opposite-looking uniforms, just kind of hovering around, going doing circles around each other. But yeah, that'd be a lot easier if you could actually see the person. Yeah. Because uh, you're just looking at them instead of. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I guess it's almost like an arms race, I suppose. <laughs> so one guy will get it and be like. You know, 10 million kills up, and the next week other people start getting it. And um, I don't know. Well, yeah, as long as it's a stepping stone to take it to someplace that can yeah. be, you know, legitimately, you know, there. I know the, like the, the lawnmower man. Yeah. yeah. Well, the big thing <laughs> we had at work with augmented virtuality mm-hmm. was the idea of taking literally what you're seeing, right? And augmenting it so you'd have this headset on, but you can see through it. Because that's that stuff doesn't exist yet, really. Yep. That's even harder. So you see through it, and then it's projecting 
you know, what would we, most people would think of, you know, like augmented reality or whatever of uh, HUDs and stuff like this. And we were trying to do that with um, where you would see reality and then put fake machinery in there and interact with it and everything else, which is augmented reality, I guess. But it's um, then you're interacting with it. Yeah, and it was. You saw the demo, Zach. I don't yep. exactly know how to explain that, other than well, you're you're uh, you're, you're compositing in real time and putting a 3D object and trying to weld it to a, a real table or something as your head moves around. Yeah, without letting it lag and slide. And so that's even harder. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of fun to play with that stuff though on the yeah. on the job, but. <laughs> So yeah, that's even farther out because that puts a whole video capture, uh, recognition, scene reconstruction before it even tries to do the display to your eyes. Um, Michael Arash is the uh, the guy that talked about it. Um, he is actually at Valve now, but uh, before that he worked on the Quake engine and stuff, and he's um, invented Modex for PCs to do. Uh, that was the first time the action games actually worked. Because uh, he thought it figured out a clever way to write to the video buffer that wasn't documented and made it possible. Um, but anyway, he's at Valve now. He's studying only VR and AR, and uh, he's kind of the guru figure at the moment for gaming of cool. VR. Well, it's it's very weird combination of like how our brain works, yeah, and how fast it works, yeah, and then how fast we can do this yeah. stuff. Because because um, like we have latency issues at work with simulators where you know you turn the steering wheel and then you turn it back the other direction and you're it's not doing what you're telling it to do but but in addition to it just being um the latency of our brains the latency of uh the simulation and the screens and everything we see and then like literally the drives and motors that can make things move at the way we want them to is is pretty interesting plus like not having feedback it's like a steering wheel that doesn't give you steering wheel feedback you know Mm -hmm. in a simulator it's so hard to like people drive crazy when they drive simulators because they're not getting that feedback of the wheel and the motion of the vehicle that stuff's really interesting to me anyway yeah they don't have that sense of motion either that inertia you know feeling it in your butt yeah. You know, one of the first, I do military simulations, and one of the first target sites I did, I had to put, you know, like a building with trees around it. And so I did a little research on trees, and then I put a bunch of trees around this, like, site with this house and, like, a shed and fenced in and blah, 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 radar dish. And showed it to the boss and everything. He's like, dude, those trees, they're too big. And, um, it was humorous because I agreed with him because I thought they were too big, but that's because trees are really big <laughs> and you don't realize it until you're like, you're right. It uh-huh. is. It's like twice as tall as my house, but you never think of trees that way. Yeah. And so when you start modeling them and you put tiny little trees in there, it doesn't seem right, but it doesn't seem right when you put giant ones in there either. Sure. Because you're seeing also, we were seeing the scene from a, you know, a perspective that we're not used to either, yeah. but 
And also, computer trees all look like shrubs. Oh, they do. Yeah, this was <laughs> this was in the look. I've got five, uh, four planes yep. crisscrossed in a star pattern instead of just two planes. That's a better tree right there. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, Zach, have you seen this show on National Geographic called Brain Games? No, is it any good? It's amazing. Yeah, it. Me and the kids watched one last night that was talking about. Um, our brain and then how like you know how you can like stare at a dot on something and then the other dot will disappear mm-hmm. because you know that sort of trick mm-hmm. um, it was talking about how our brain has one percent of the back of our eye accounts for like 90 percent of the resolution that it handles yeah, yeah. stuff like that it's just really super interesting and then they talk about how magicians take advantage of that yep so they'll like do a motion specifically and tap somewhere only because they know that you won't capture what they're actually doing somewhere else. It's a really great show. You'd probably really like it. You got a good sized blind spot to attach a nerve to your eye too. Just off center on the inside. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, uh, I forget what it's called. Yeah. That's the, the, yeah, that's one of the tricks that I like, telling people is you take like a cd you know on a cd is extremely reflective yep and you you line it up so your nose is right in the hole and then you look yourself in the eyes and your nose will just sort of get filled in mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about no mm-hmm. no that 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 lack of reflection your brain it's not focusing there so it'll kind of say well something needs to be there and i kind of know what needs to be there mm. and it won't your brain won't see it missing you won't really see it there but it will you know what i mean well, I'm doing it right now. Hang on. <laughs> you can kind of... Once you look there, of course, it's not there, but... Yeah, that's crazy. Their brains are just creepy. They have a... The show has all these examples that are like, all right, watch this. And then they tell you to do something. And then, you know, you do it. And then they're like, did you notice the woman undressing over here? Or... Did, did, <laughs> did you notice that that woman was a dude? <laughs> Stuff like that. Hmm. It's a pretty good show. Anyway. It sounds like it's great for kids. Well, I mean, it was <laughs> in good tastes. Oh, okay. You know, they, they took off their tops, but they were wearing t-shirts underneath that said, made you look. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that sounds really good. I, I just love that, the magicians and how they kind of do things and trick your eyes and the whole brain connection there. Yeah. You know, um, like, uh, did you ever, uh, this is so off topic now, but I really love this. There's this awesome scene from the first, um, Lord of the Rings movie where Gandalf is talking to Frodo and you know how, what's that? (laughs) I'll be too. Wait, it was like 40 minutes long. Um, (laughs) but, but you know how Gandalf is supposed to be huge and gone and Frodo is small, but they did it in that forced perspective shot. Mm -hmm. Oh, so like Frodo is really close to the camera and Gandalf is just or vice versa. Right. Yeah. So Frodo is further away from the camera, but it seems like he's right the way that they built the table in the shot. Mm -hmm. But they move the camera in this shot. So they actually have like this really complex motion of the props and stuff that move with the camera. Mm. Oh, wow. But to reinforce that depth. It was impressive. Super impressive. That's cool. 
and probably all fake, but just told me it was what it was. I do remember that they built that that fancy cart when uh, um, Gandalf is going along with Frodo, and uh, so that if he actually the camera zooms out, you look at the cart, and Frodo is actually like um, the like the Frodo seat and Gandalf seat are different different places. Yeah, even though it looks like they're together. Mm. So. That is a lot, lot of clever stuff in that, that movie. Especially like the, uh, the midgets wearing the, the, the suits that are like painted like the other people. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. It's just super creepy. The, um, yeah, my wife just bought me a little while ago, um, the collector's edition or not, the, not the collector's edition, the Blu-ray version of, uh, The Hobbit, and then they had some special features, and then it showed all of them with their. Um, with their stunt short, short double people, mm-hmm. and it, it's so strange because you know some of them are so completely different. It because uh, I think like um, I don't know if, uh, if it's Frodo's guy. It looks like a dude from India, or maybe that's Bilbo's guy. So we're just so used to seeing them from you know from the back, from you know they they got the hair and they got the overalls and all that stuff. So yeah. it's, they do it's an amazing job with that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh- I'm going to ring this back to topic. Uh, Zach, you got anything else you want to talk about? Oh, we promote still... game development. Yeah, game we're development. We're still doing introductions? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It's been interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So, we, we got, uh, got good mileage out of the Oculus, which is what I did for one night so far this week. Um, <laughs> and then uh, for that, I was finishing up some games. So, I finally finished Bioshock Infinite. Is is the twist worth it? Yeah. It's good. It's good. Don't reveal it though. Don't reveal. The, I won't. The, I won't reveal anything. But um, it's weird that uh, the story and the environment were so nice um, that it, and this is what all the discussion on the internet's about is it made all the game tropes and the uh, uh, game idioms you know that people don't move and all the objects on the street that you can't shoot or hit just stand out so starkly. It's we're so ready for uh, next gen with some physics simulation on stuff. Yeah, I'm super. And some extra memory to, yeah, to, to have more characters wandering around. Um, but the, yeah, the the story um, is good. I'll even say great, and the environments are absolutely amazing. The design and just everything. Um, if nothing else, just rent it and play through it on easy, uh, just to look at it. It's cool. All right. Cool. And yeah, the story is nice, and um, for a video game especially, uh, lots of. Um, kind of vagueness and different ways you can interpret it and lots of clues and stuff in there. Um, to, well, not to, to plug another podcast, but do you ever listen to the Top Score podcast? Uh-uh. It's a Minnesota public radio classical station that does a podcast about video games, and she always interviews super interesting people about the music, and she interviewed the, the Bioshock um, composer. Hmm. And talked about his process on making music with, uh, he did he did all three, our mm. shock games and quite interesting actually. I'm sure Tori's listened to it. I I was actually I was at one of them for Yes for Kid, the guy that did an Assassin's Creed. Um, but I have to admit, I need to go back and listen to a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah, I think it was the latest one. They okay. she even had the, the guy that did the, Aliens Marines or whatever. Oh okay okay. Which she's like, we don't rate games, we talk about music. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's cool though. Like you can, um, you can just go and be in the audience there. It's at St. Paul at NPR. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, that was, that was really cool. <laughs> it's a cool experience. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I finished up XCOM, which is one mm. of the ones I started playing when I was recuperating from surgery last fall. You played on PC or on Xbox? I got it on Xbox. Yeah. Okay. Cause I rented it. Um, and then kept it. And, yeah, I did uh, the, the demo on that and loved it. I just haven't gotten back to, to buying it yet. It's one of those ones. It's one of those games that, like, for what it is, actually the price is still maintaining, which a lot of times yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah, if if that's your thing, you'll play it a lot. It's it's unforgiving. Yeah, I, I yeah. Well, you know me. I like those rogue games. Yep. And um, I like it when they just sort of murder you. Yep. <laughs> because I hate it so much, but yep. it it's it actually enforces replay for me. Yeah, exactly, and some strategy. Yeah, to actually caring. Um, yeah, it's a uh, maybe a little better on PC, maybe a little cheaper too. Um, you know, with a mouse and everything, better control, better res. But um, it doesn't. It does great on a controller, also. It's yeah, not I, that I, deal, the, detailed of a control scheme. Yeah, I played the demo on Xbox. In fact, when I got the demo, I played through it twice. Oh, because I thought the demo, I thought it was awesome, and I wanted to try other yeah. things about it. Such a weird. Like uh, the timing of a game like that, like if you think about what's going on with only this person can move at this time and stuff, it's just real interesting. Was, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, but from a strategy sense, you know that, you know, now it's my turn to move, um, sort of thing. It was really interesting to try that game. And they did some interesting things too with the, even the random number generator. Um, it's it's seated and it stays seated in your save game, so you can't like reload and try again for a better you know hit percentage or damage percentage um so it it feels kind of deterministic in a way it's pretty interesting um and then i uh, got started on one of the games that was still in the shrink wrap from christmas uh, <laughs> yeah. driver san francisco um if anybody is into action driving games like the original driver or uh or anything like that. It is amazing. It is so fun. Um, they is it, they a, is it an arcadey driver? Or is it? Uh, it's it's arcadey in how forgiving it is. The controls feel a little better than that. Like so, you can actually start a skid and recover from a skid with effort. You know, and so it feels like you're a little bit skilled if you're doing a good job driving. Okay. As opposed to just you know cars on rails, skidding makes it turn sharper. Like true arcade racers, a ridge racer where you can turn the opposite way of the corner as long as you're skidding you'll still go around the corner <laughs> how i don't know um but uh my favorite thing is um they just thought of these great mechanics and then tried to cram a story around it so um you know somebody somewhere was saying you know driving's fun but what if you could just switch cars and so that's in there <laughs> and how well because you're in a coma or something and then you can possess other people's bodies and so the guy you're chasing you just you just hit the a button it goes into slow-mo and you fly up and pick out a car and get inside and drive it right in front of him <laughs> cause him to hit it and then come back into your police car and then uh, catch up to him <laughs> um and there's just ramp trucks driving around for no good reason but a lot of games do that so um, it's a game yeah and then and then i haven't played that far through the story but 
you and your partner look like you're straight out of the 70s and you're driving around in a modern San Francisco. Um, and uh, yeah, and then there's all these homages to all the great 70s and 80s cop movies and car chase movies and they even make little challenge levels based around them. So um, yeah, and it, it didn't sell well for some reason, so it's pretty cheap. So if you like anybody likes those games at all, definitely get it. Oh, and some of the other mechanics, right? Um, every car's got car game's got a boost mode. Doesn't make sense. Uh, they added another one because you spend so much time catching up with cars and ramming them, where you just hold a button down and then your car like kind of slows down a bit and charges up, and then when you let go, it dashes forward and hits. So it's like <laughs> it's like tackling or something. It makes no sense. And then if it's you miss, like the movies. Yeah, and then if you miss, <laughs> then your car gets a little bit slower because it's sad. I don't know. Uh, that makes no sense, but it's a great mechanic for catching up and hitting cars and hurting them. <laughs> it adds this big, you know, risk reward thing right at the last second as you're getting close to them. And uh, yeah, it's terrific. Did you ever play the uh, the game that had, was the the who's the pitch black guy? I can't think of his name now. Pitch black, triple X, fast Vin and Diesel. furious. Yeah. Did you ever play his driving game, Vin Diesel's driving yeah. game? It uh it was pretty low budget, it wasn't very polished, but it tried to do some of these things. Yeah, did like uh your car could just like slam left or right? Yep. I mean didn't explain any of it, but Yep. I thought that it was pretty fun for being so stupid. But. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a high budget version of that. That's okay. okay. Yeah, that's what it was sounding like. But... Oh and uh they uh, I didn't realize this either. They screwed up on release with the um the uh, pay for online stuff, so everybody gets free online. So you can actually, you know, huh. play it with friends. Or play on multiple consoles like we like to do here. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so that's a good one. I, I got this, I saw the Xbox announcement, and I got this wave of guilt that uh, I probably can't buy it unless I actually play the games I already own. Maybe even finish them. It's it's a pretty good vow that you'll hold <laughs> hold to for, hold to for a little while and then uh, yeah <laughs> like I, I but I but but oh. I gotta play these games by November. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Xbox and playing it in in the house and stuff, have you played BattleBox Theater yet? No. Okay. Can't buy anything else. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, was pretty stoked to hear that um, Behemoth, the the makers of. Castle Crashers put out yep. another game, and it's full of really great humor and and stuff. And my disappointment was that I got it hoping for another four player game because because I have three sons, um, and we play together same screen. And Castle Crashers was one that we could always kind of go back to and play, and everybody enjoyed it. But I was really hoping Battle Block Theater had that four player mode, just through the normal story, and they only have a two player story mode. They have a really great four-player, like, just have fun mode. Um, but I was disappointed that the, the story mode wasn't there. Because I, I the night I bought it, I played it a bit, and then the, the kids saw me, and then one of them joined in. And then my eldest said, Dad, um, basically, I wish you'd do something else so I could play it with <laughs> my, my brother and I'm like oh you know sad walk away <laughs> don't want to play with your old man uh, it, it has begun huh yeah it was good game though recommend it for you know the the four player game 
of whatever is it, it's they do hilarious they call it like sports ball where it's like soccer but it's not like soccer it's like golf but it's not like golf because it scores like football <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite humorous the way you play it and it's fun and anyway cool cool all right well um are you wrapped up zach anything else no i'm good How about, all right well it's tori what have you been up to it's been a month or more um yeah you know just the usual shenanigans but um i've sort of gotten stumbled back into skyrim a little bit which is always a perilous path to tread but um the i think i'm going to touch on it a little bit later on in the podcast because i think it's an interesting topic to bring up but i'll just say the mods for skyrim are absolutely astounding and i think it's a really just become a completely new beast and i will i will save it for later in the podcast no okay that's what we should do with the oculus stuff no it was good to bring up all right i liked it (laughs) i don't don't care what anybody else thinks (laughs) (laughs) all right well i'll try to go quick um let them dare 26 i think happened last weekend and um i really wanted to be involved but ended up with everything not allowing that but i did work a little bit with um nate yorchuk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had tried to organize some people to get together and do stuff and and but at the end he came up with this web-based game and on sunday night we uh, i helped him out a little bit with stuff so did I guess in a way I did let him dare, but really he did it and I just talked. So almost. <laughs> um, other than that, nothing really worth mentioning. Other than um, I did the Coder uh, Dojo again, and Coder Dojo is the like uh, help kids do programming kind of mentor teachership thing that's. Completely free and volunteer only kind of deal. How big um, is that? Let's see. Uh, it just started here in the Twin Cities at Clockwork. Um, I've done it twice now. It's actually happened three times, but I had to miss the second time. But um, the last time we had, I'm doing a mental count in my head here, like 11 students in the Scratch class. And there were three or four mentors, me being one of the mentors that that were helping. And then bring laptops or um, yes and no. Coder, um, I'm sorry. Clockwork is is also providing laptops for the people that don't bring them. They request that students bring them, but they realize that they might not be able to. And my only complaint about it is that they're Macs, and so I'm like, um, <laughs> uh, kind of learning on the fly stuff. Um, hit the is, yellow circle oh no wait green green circle no it's not that it's like the if this was a PC I could just right click on stuff but for some reason it's a Macintosh and you can't right click on things <laughs> you have to hold the button down because that's better um, but it's not a big deal of course but it's just it throws me for a loop a little bit not that there's anything wrong with that um, so but it it's been pretty interesting um Let's see, that was just that group. The The Minecraft Python group had like eight or ten kids, and then there was a web-based group, which I stuck my oldest kid in. 
and he actually really jo- enjoyed that. Hmm. And that was with um, also another uh, IGGATC previous presenter and attender, um, Zach Johnson. Oh, cool. Yep. So he's he he's been mentoring the web side of that. So what's the age range? Um, they're asking for eight, or I'm sorry, they're asking ten and older, ten to whatever. 17 but we're getting uh-huh. generally the lower end mm-hmm. getting um for the most part it's been pretty split even with boys and girls good um 10 to 12 i think has been mostly and then yeah um they i they did allow me to bring in my eight-year-old which was awesome because i brought in nathan who's eight and he just plays on scratch for fun having Nate. <clears throat> All right, real quick, Aiden, we set him up to one of those programs that you pay, you know, when you send your kid to the school for the weekend for, for just a couple hours and they do a scratch class. Mm-hmm. So he came home and then he shows Nathan and this is a couple of years ago. And then Nathan does stuff and then they start working together and Nathan's never been to a class, but Nathan is like incredible with scratch. And so Good. what, is, what is scratch by the way? Oh, thanks Tori. Uh, so scratch is MIT made this like, um, free. It's a free, like, easy to use. Like, it's a game maker kind of thing where you drag and drop code chunks. So you program gotcha. visually. Okay. Things and then it it interacts. Um. Very. Boy, I'm trying to like. Simplify. I I would just hope people have a reference. It's a little bit of Mindstorm. It's a little bit of. Logo, which is what I learned first, and a little bit of, uh, I would say, game maker kind of. Yeah, so you end up with like you have a sprite, say a sprite of a cat, which is what they have. It's Scratch the cat, and then that cat sprite has code associated with it, but you actually look at the code as visual graphical elements. You drag in an if block, and then in that if block, it's got a spot for, you know, the logic, and then so you'd say things like, you know, if I'm touching green or touching the ground then then i can jump but if i'm not touching green then i can't jump stuff like that it's it's pretty easy to use and that to me was the the brilliant thing that i had never thought of um they simplify collision detection by just saying if colors touch so then you make your ground green you make your bad guys red you make your missiles blue and then you can say if blue hits red do this yeah, it's, oh, of, sure. it works out really well. The yeah. biggest complaint I have about it is the same one that the other mentors have, is that there's no inst- like instantiate or create or destroy kind of stuff. Yep. So if you want a bullet, well, you've got to have your bullet as a sprite existing in the scene just hidden. So it's effectively like in the game programmer thing. You're pooling everything that you might use somewhere. It's just hidden, mm-hmm. which um, you know, is fine, especially for kids it's fine. But it gets really frustrating you know, once you get once you understand that concept, to to now have to manage that stuff. And if, sure. you, if you get to that point, you should really move on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly why I'm bothered by it is because I want to get pat, want to like be able to do things a little bit different. But um, but what anyway, Nathan, I brought Nathan in to the class, and he was just sort of felt left out because Aiden went the time before, and so mm. they they allowed me to bring Nathan, and Nathan ended up like helping kids and showing them how to do things and <laughs> it was just awesome that this like a uh, 13 14 year old kid was there and just a whiz with like a uh, rubik's cube 
like just Jeez. sits there and just solved it it's like go get out of here leave now <laughs> but um nathan's just like oh here's how you make an in scene and then he just quick whips up uh the logic block and everything to just like there you go now when you die it'll show this it was just awesome watching him That's like cool. interact that way what was the project people did so it's not guided at all. It's just like, oh. here's the program experiment. And if you've got questions or want to try something, ask us and we'll help you oh. do it. So it's completely unstructured, okay. which is which is good and bad. Some um, kids, yeah. Because the kids that are good, which are the kids that you want really to help, are the ones that are interested. And those are the ones that, you know, whatever. There are other kids that just play in the demos and just play the sample games and you know, draw dumb things in the sprites and, and they're not going to do it again when they get home. And um, we have less of that, I think, than the times I've taught with other stuff, but it's still there a little bit. But... So, I don't know. That's what Coder Dojo was and is. And... How often oh, um... do they do it? What's that? How often? Uh, it's been, they, their initial run is, uh, four weekends and then the fourth weekend is this Saturday. And the reason I'm mentioning it is because the, I guess I, you'd say our clientele has changed and, um, we're actually going to be doing a unity slash graphics thing this weekend. So we're going to have five students at least that are going to be introduced to unity and blender and we're going to play around a little bit that's cool so i'm excited and scared and (laughs) we'll see because it's you know i've put unity in front of my kids thinking like oh this will be easy it's such a simple concept and then watching them just look at me and in like dumbfoundedness talking about vectors and i'm like oh yeah you guys are only eight and ten you're not (laughs) gonna understand what a vector is (laughs) Or how to multiply them together. <laughs> or why you would want to. So never mind then. But it it should be good. So I'll leave it at that. Unless okay. you guys want to talk about candies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have no idea what you're talking about. Candies. Leave it at that. Candies. Yeah, I think that's what all the clicking is. Oh, you can hear that, huh? Yeah. The candies. No, I was doing serious things. All right. Making 33 lollipops a minute. Oh, you're up to 33. Nice. Oh. It's, um, all right, I'll bring it up then. So candy is, oh, what, it's an what, amaz- that's, amazing, amazing. That's little... it. I'm at, I'm at 62 lollipops a second. Shut up. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a half a million lollipops right now in my, uh, oh, my stash. Wow. 567,000 and growing. Um, all right. So candies like, uh, somebody from the, the, the group, um, that attends the meetings posted today, like great design of game can even come in any shape and size and whatnot. And so I tried it and you click the link and it's like, you have two candies, you have three candies. (laughs) What do you want to do? Eat the candies? Yeah, sure. I'll eat them. And it's, it's really barren. And then if you just wait, long enough another option shows up and then pretty soon you realize there's this whole like oh i've got to run a lollipop farm and i've got to go to the 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 sorcerer to get the upgrade to my sword because there's questing it's 
pretty neat little like interface that's very engaging but it's um it's very much a sim in that you don't actually do the fighting on your quests and stuff you just sort of manage your character and your supplies so it's i i'm pretty dang impressed for this little um i think it's a javascript game mm-hmm. through the browser with ascii art and silly little buttons yeah so we should post that link and Encourage people to stick with it for at least five minutes. Yeah. And plus, the Java did just have a new update. So if anybody hasn't updated yet, go right ahead and do it. Oh, there's um, another does, update? Does, doesn't happen often, so it's good to, good to advertise that. I wish they'd let me know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's rare. It's quite rare. <laughs> All right. So that's that actually encompassed part of my life today. All right, uh, well, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the last meeting quick. So um, the member project was a gentleman named Sam Loesch. Is that how you say his name? I think so. Worst at that. And his presentation was pre-production on a Moonlighter's budget. So although I didn't agree necessarily with everything he had in regards to making a game, um, partially because I'm not a big, like, RPG, JRPG fan, and he obviously is. But he still had some good bits of advice in there, I thought. So it's a little unfortunate that he didn't have more to show, though, I thought. And there's there's some backstory there. Um, his original plan was actually kind of more showing his prototype, and I wish he'd shown it like at least a movie. Um, he's using this engine that I didn't even know about. Uh, called I think it's called Pronounced Xamarin. And um, it's for all these... Uh, all these orphaned XNA projects, um, so that you can uh, publish them to iOS, Android, um, and he was working on an Ouya version. Um, and then something got screwy with his his license or something like that, and he kind of had to cobble together more of a last minute thing that didn't show some of the gameplay. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but. Uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, we can see updates a little, a little bit down the road. But uh, Xamarin is something, I don't know why I never heard about it, but uh, it looks pretty great. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, because I have a lot of XNA laying around. And uh, I liked it. I liked XNA. Yeah. It was a really great start there. Just the, as an API, it was really fun to reach into. The only The worst part about it, though, was the 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 draw graphics pipeline stuff. Oh yeah. It was just really frustrating to try to get like um not knowing a whole lot about like different ways of applying graphics to things and how pipelines can be intermixed and not straight through the same pipe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is, yeah, it's it's very much based on the DirectX API and, and very open ended so uh, that was that was my biggest complaint because I wanted like this to have normal mapping and this to not care about that and it was like I had that was where I had the trouble it's getting the yeah. work right but but otherwise I mean all the demos and stuff good stuff next day a lot of great examples out there too and then um, all right well the main presenter I thought uh, was Gravik so it was Ty Burks and Matt Gravel um, from Gravik. They did rapid-fire postmortems. 
which uh, they're always really good when they do stuff. So they <laughs> they sort of rapidly fired postmortems like they said they would. They did a Disney cart game, Disney fish hooks, Skee-Ball 2, a prototype of a uh, ribbon weave puzzler, and a car crashing game. So pretty good stuff. And uh, uh, Ty, Ty's got a real... Well, they they got great chemistry up there, but then Ty's got a real knack for just the funny art, and he bothers to specifically make slides just so they can have a punchline for his jokes. Yeah, um, so very entertaining. The, yeah, the, be- the, the, the best the part was the the negative comments. So you wouldn't normally think like, "Hey, we put this game out on iOS and it's doing pretty good." Here are the negative comments we've gotten. But they did it, and they picked the just hilariously funny comments, and then <laughs> just the broken English and just random or, com- complaining. Yeah, yeah, like uh, I could play this game or stick a, f- a fork in my eye, so I'm going to stick a fork <laughs> in my eye, kind of thing. And then Ty would put his little witty comment there with, you know, like some funny saying about whatever what they really learned. It's a coming of age comment <laughs> or something. It was it was a great. Great presentation. Um, there was a little bit of technical difficulty there that actually yeah. ended up in some hilarity because uh, they had the trouble connecting the, the iPad that had just been connected um, and then disconnected and then they went back to it and it wouldn't work. And so he no, was... Hold on, hold on. From what I know from television, and Mac products work with everything all the time. Just, just apparently... I just I heard, I've heard that, so this this is a surprise to me. <laughs> I don't think they had an Apple cable. Oh no! Okay, no lightning. Okay, yeah. okay, my bad. Oh, was it? Oh, it was a different iPad. That makes sense. Okay. So anyway, Ty was up there. He was he was he was trying to uh, explain his game without any graphical reference, really, other than like a still picture, and he ended up pulling out the the paper, paper prototype, paper yeah. prototype. That was great. But he danced exceptionally well for that, mm-hmm. and then it eventually came up. But yeah, no, that game is like it's uh, one of the hardest things I think to do is to come up with a game concept where the gameplay is really simple, but the depth is really deep. Yeah, and and, and a game like that, as for instance, is like checkers and chess, where yeah, the the gameplay is relatively simple, but the strategy ends up being really really deep. And this is one of those games, I thought. So you have um, ribbons of different colors and then marks on a board, and your objective is to make sure that the last, the, the top ribbon above each of those colors matches um, that, and you have to pull all the ribbons. Yep. And, and uh, it's deceptively hard. Part you're not, you kind of left out, uh, you're, you're rolling them in from the left and right or the bottom and top to kind of weave them together. And that's the name weave to, to come up with a pattern that you end up with at the end. Yeah, they did express their complaints about all their top naming for their game is taken by other applications that really don't belong with yeah, those it's names. It's going to get worse and worse. It's like domain names. Yep. People will be squatting on names and then selling you the, the developer account just so you can republish a game under that name. Oh, that's really sad. Court, uh, makes sense, but it's, I wonder if they're already doing that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got to say about that. Oh, it was. Uh, they did go to the bar afterwards with like a stack of iPads, so I got to play everything. That was pretty cool. The uh, I don't. 
care much for the Disney games because that's I'm not the target market for that. But yeah, um, you know that's how they do a good chunk of their business. Of course, is that they're contractors. All right. Um, well, since we have you here, Zach, why don't you uh, tell us what's happening next month? Sure. Or this month or whatever. Yeah, next week. Yeah. Um, or depending on when you hear this, last week. Yeah, it'll probably be. Um, <laughs> so um, our main presenter is uh, Ben Sipe. Uh He works at NativeX, which recently was renamed from W3i. And he's going to cover a wide range of things. Uh talks called free to play coulds and shoulds um he had bounced a bunch of ideas off of me uh, prior and then right around gdc and a little bit after and um he's been featured a couple of times in gamma sutra if you want to look him up um really nice presentations nice digestible things but um he's going to try to cover a wide range of things and not focus on kind of the stereotypical you know, uh, pay, pay to grind, to pay to win, all the negative models that are out there for free-to-play um, and cover a wide range of things, including when you don't do free-to-play, when you should do premium, meaning you actually buy it, buy the game. Okay, that sounds... It, I have high hopes. Cause it's... Yeah, a lot of people, myself included, have a general very negative feel towards free-to-play stuff because there is so many icky things out there, but there's... Well, there's some good examples. I uh, I never played Puzzle Quest 2 uh, until I played it on Android, and they basically give you the free game, and they let you play for a good long time, like an hour, uh, get through the first dungeon or something, and they're like, hey, you know, that that's it for you. You want to buy one character's worth and play the whole game, or you want to buy all the characters, you know, and it's like, I think, $2 or $6. And, um, um, you know, after you play yeah, for an hour, that- you're like... I want to keep going. You know, it's like yeah. a demo. Yep. Basically. That's that old school, you know, demo. It's the, yep. it's the free to play, but it's the free to play with the, the almost like it's the light the version. It's the, the light shareware. version. Yeah. Or shareware. Yeah. That's not bad either. Yeah. And I'm totally fine with that. Yep. Um, and, uh, the, really the only negatives were it does a license check every time it starts up, which I oh. understand. So yep. you have to have a good network connection. And then, uh, for some reason, I guess, cause it came from consoles. It just drains the heck out of the battery. I think it refreshes the screen even if nothing's going on. It just burns up my phone. But uh, I played all the way to the end. It was really good. Cool. Um, and it is a great example of not being too intrusive to, to annoy you. Um, and then, so the member project, uh, Ann Hayes, who was new, first time she was at a meeting was yes. last time. That was awesome. She shows up for a meeting and says... What's her presentation going to be on next month? Well, she wasn't scheduled, but um, we we had somebody that had to drop out. So um, she had said she was interested, so I contacted her and asked if it was too soon or if she'd be good to go next month. Um, and she said she would. So uh, um, just talking to her at the bar, it just got more and more intriguing. Uh, so she makes a good chunk of money. I won't say it, you know terrific money or anything, but a good chunk of money off a of second life and doing really high-quality avatars. Um, of mainly horses Um, Mm. and that's especially challenging once you learn that the only rig in second life is a human biped and then you got to take that and you know cause horse animation to come off of it and jump oh my gosh i didn't know that that's yeah incredible and all these kinds of things and so she's going to try to cram you know i just kept asking so many questions Uh, she's going to try to cover a pretty broad 
probably kind of shallow, broad version of different things. The over well, the just, economy, the piracy that goes on, um, you know, sure. and everybody just thinks it's a bunch of ugly 3D graphics and a bunch of furries running around, but there's all sorts of communities there other than the furries. That should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I was yeah. sort of alluding to she shows up and then we mob her quick to say, you should do a presentation. <laughs> oh, she but, volunteered first, but yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. It got real that's forceful awesome. when lost the presenter. <laughs> <laughs> Said you're not allowed back unless. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, it's just, I, I've been kind of digging into all the different uh, weird. Uh, yeah, you can stop there. <laughs> the, um, you know, the stuff like with, with Steam and the Team Fortress 2 props. Oh, and, yep, the, the sales. and Yep, and now they're, they're, they're giving a cut of proceeds for user-created maps on the um, Counter-Strike. And then oh, wow. there's Wasteland 2 that's buying stuff from people um, right out of the Unity store. They'll, they'll run like a little contest and say, just here's the thing, put it in your store, send us a link. If we want it, we'll buy it. And then you get to say, you know, as seen in Wasteland 2. That's pretty cool. Um, oh, cool. It's, it's interesting to see how that's happening. And it's not really clear where that's going to lead to. Some, someplace weird. But, uh, it, it, yeah, it's neat. Kind of the user-created user content for money, I guess, is what you call it. Yeah, it looks like it's a good lineup, actually. Yeah. Good, good two different, like, and very interesting things. Yeah. Hey, um, before we talk about anything else, I, one thing I forgot to mention, what I've been doing. Do you guys like, like, word games at all? No. Like, I don't really care for words Some... with friends or anything like this. Okay, so when I got my my G1 six, seven years ago or whatever, this game I found called Lexic, it was basically Boggle. And you could just play it on your phone and you just trace out words and you had a minute to find as many as you could and you got a score, right? But I found this game on um, Android, and it's Android only. It's called Word Hero, and I cannot stop playing this <laughs> this game. It does this brilliant thing of like, you, you know what Boggle is, right? You shake the mm-hmm. thing and you get all the letters and then you try to write as many words down as you can. Mm-hmm. And But imagine playing Boggle in a room with like 300 other people. And at the end of that, you know, two-minute round, um, you got a list of all the words that you could have possibly made. And then they showed your score and then everybody else in the room. Hmm. And they do that, you know, in the 30-second between rounds and then you go again it just i cannot stop playing that game it's just an (laughs) exceptional way to like take this thing that i've played so much without any of that stuff and was done with it but took it to this addition of oh my gosh i missed that word oh my gosh Hmm. that guy beat me Hmm. you know or i really want to make it to the next tier and i want to do better than the you know 50th percentile in this, you know, it's very good. So, oh, that's cool. Can't stop playing it. The wife has been mad at me on numerous occasions, <laughs> which shows that it, it's something. Anyway, you think, uh, think we should call it? Sure. I think we talked that's... enough. Well, I, I just want, before we call it, I just want to say, um, so if anybody's into mods, I will just have you for next month. Listeners and 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 co-hosts, 
uh, just look into modding a little bit. And if you haven't, just look around to see what some of the main sites are and what, what your feeling is for those sites. And that's, that is all I'd like to say for now. Do you want to um, try to recruit people maybe at the meeting that might want to be on the podcast? Oh, maybe that's that's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's interesting not a bad idea. idea if you, if you think of topics ahead like that, that might be a handy way to. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. I can a- I I can ask at the start of the next meeting. Sure. Cool. Okay. Oh, uh, get... sad news. Sad news. I can't believe we didn't mention this yet. The one of the people, f- one of the guys from Crisscross died. Oh yes. Oh, I thought you were gonna say sad news. They don't make rock band songs anymore. They don't. Nope. Officially, like. Officially, is, yep. is there no more good music coming out that is There's... good to play on plastic instruments? <laughs> oh, there's still good plastic instruments. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, th- thanks for joining me tonight, guys, or today, this morning. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. It's always a good time. Word. <laughs> well, play that funky uh, music, white boy. Well, should, did we already call it? Yeah, or? pretty much. Okay. You can probably edit that around if you want. Yeah, I have a note. I made a, I made a note. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just press the stop record button then. Okay.